There he is, the man of the hour. Dun, dun, dun. The star of stage, screen, and television. Here with mostly, us today. Mostly screen, mostly Zoom. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, welcome, Michael, and welcome, everybody, to episode eight, I think, of Creativity Conversations. And if you haven't been here before, uh, I'll just give you a brief overview of why I created this series, which is because I just got tired of hearing people say they weren't creative. And who but Michael Neal is here to disabuse us all of that notion. So, <laughs> so the way we're going to roll today is that Michael and I will chat for about half an hour and then we'll open it up to people on the call, ask your questions, pepper him with thoughtful wonderings, and let's see where it goes. Cool. May I read your bio? Oh, yes, please. Oh, I'd love right. to know who I am. Yes, just in case you weren't sure anymore. Yes. Michael Neal is an internationally renowned author, speaker, and thought leader, challenging the cultural mythology that stress and struggle are a prerequisite to creativity and success. His best-selling books, of which there are many, Podcasts, keynotes, trainings, and retreats have inspired and impacted millions of people on six continents around the world. Is it still six? Yeah, I just, there's just so few gigs in Antarctica. I don't know. I, it, it's I, probably safe to go there. That's probably the one place you yeah. could have a meeting. I mean, it would be mostly <laughs> penguins, but you could do it. <laughs> Michael's mission is to unleash the human potential with intelligence, humor, and heart and his unique brand of loving disruption, we'll get to that later, has made him a beloved catalyst and creative spark plug to CEOs, leaders, creative artists, and anyone who wants to get more out of themselves and their lives while making more of a difference in the world. His TED Talks, Why Aren't We Awesomer? and Can a TED Talk Really Change the World? have been viewed by nearly two million people. So welcome, welcome, welcome. It's always a delight and pleasure to talk with you, Michael. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I like the new painting. I don't know if it's new, but it's new to me. Yes, thank you. I'm, I was saying to Lorna, I'm not quite sure what it means yet, but it will be revealed in time. Yeah, it's a, it, 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 it reminds me a little of, and this is probably horribly insulting, I don't mean it to be, but like, do you remember the old Monty Python cartoons? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got that kind of feel to it. You know, where you expect a giant <laughs> foot to come down out of the sky and squash <laughs> the hand. <laughs> so I am going to start out with a quote, which you may remember, which is in Creating the Impossible, which is, you are the infinite creative potential of the entire, spoiler alert, swear word here, fucking universe. Deal with it. Would you care to elaborate on that? <laughs> I think that says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, first off, I mean, let me put the context in, which is um, I was doing some kind of a training and, and, and kind of like you, I was, I, I was feeling a little frustrated that the group were continually kind of suggesting that they, they, they needed to be told what to do. <laughs> and and my response was, you're the infinite creative potential of the entire fucking universe. Deal with it. Like, you don't need to be told what to do because you can create from nothing. And it just, that particular quote jumped out. I probably would never have thought about it again, except my daughter was in the back of the room and she tweeted it with, with, the, with the catch, hashtag my dad, right? And <laughs> so it became a thing. But, but, but I think that that's, 
where I look out in the world and see uh, a, a shocking lack of self-awareness is that people really think that the best they can do is copy what somebody else has done. And, and, and they'll say, let me take care of that. Real life happens. There would not be a call without Michael Neal, without a dog having to come in or go out. <laughs> Hi, who are you? Oh, wait. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I guess I don't know myself and you don't either. Well, I could read your bio. <laughs> no, so th there is this, this notion in the world that don't reinvent the wheel. You know, just, but actually every time we reinvent the wheel, something gorgeous happens or the potential for something gorgeous happens. And, and we spend so much time trying to look for best practices and basically copying what at one point was an original idea, an original thought, a fresh in the moment creation. And there's a line I once wrote, I, I used to do some copywriting and, uh, it was, you know, we were talking about a, a teacher and how, you know, this teacher who sort of started a field, there were a lot of other people kind of out there and they were, they, they, they were, you know, saying, oh, no, 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 my stuff's much better. And, and, and I wrote a line, something like, um, you know, learning, l learning from teachers um, can be a lot like trying to read bad, of, bad photocopies. The further away you get from the original, the, the harder it is to make sense of. And, and if you take that away from a person and you look at it the way Gaudi, the, the architect, talked about, you know, to be original, go to the origin. When we go to that place of pure creation, the, the fertile void that the Tao talks about, the, the space of pure possibility, the blank page, the more comfortable we get in that space, the more likely it is that things will start coming through. And the more they carry that energy and taste and flavor of the origin. And that's, that's what excites us. That's why people want to copy it. It's, they think it's the idea, but it's what's contained in the idea. It's that freshness. It's that aliveness that we're so drawn to. And that's, I think, one of the biggest misunderstandings. So we cultivate reverse engineering instead of creativity. Is there any difference between you and the origin? <clears throat> I swear more. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> no, I think, I think we each, I, I, I think of it like this. We all are seasoning. What, what comes from the origin is the meal. It's the meat. It's the main dish. And, and our personality, our persona, our understanding is the seasoning. And so if there's too much of us in it, you can't taste the meat. But a, a little bit of us brings the flavor of the meat out even more or whatever it is. We're mixing metaphors. I'm mixing metaphors. But, but so, Not for the first time. So there is, there is a distinction to my mind because the origin coming through you will have a different flavor than when it comes through me, even if we're both speaking to the same thing. 
even if we're both painting the same thing, even if we're both trying to create the same thing, yours will taste different to mine, even if both of them are rooted in the origin. That makes sense. So I think we first, I first had a, a, an actual experience of you in creating the impossible. I might've been 2018. I, I don't remember, but it was back a few years. And one of the things that, I mean, the, I think your book had come out that year or the December before. Something like that. Something like that. Right. And, uh, what was the inspiration for creating the program? The book is really like a Bible for most of us who've gone through that program, but what was the impetus for that creation of the course itself? Because a lot of people have gone through it now. Yeah, no, no, it's been, it's been more than a decade and, and there are, we've had thousands of people go through it. And, and the, the original idea was kind of a lark. Like it was kind of like a, I, I had so many people, um, who would work so hard, they'd come to me for coaching and they were working really hard to kind of try to create shitty little things that it didn't really seem like they cared about. They go, oh, I want to make a little more money or, you know, and I, I don't mean that, I, well, no, I do mean that horribly, but it's not the specifics. It's just, you could feel there was no energy behind it. There was no love behind it. There was no excitement behind it. There, 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 there was no, ooh, behind it. It was just like, yes, it would be good if I could. And I would, I, I learned, oh, you're not, that's not what you want. And, and so I'd ask people, well, what do you really want? What would be even better than that? What would be even better than that? And suddenly at some point of asking what would be even better than that, they'd light up. And it was like, okay, that's what you actually want to create. Why, are, why aren't you creating that? And they would always go, well, that would be impossible. So for me, it was like, okay, well, then let's create the impossible. And it was really that. It was, it was just, I heard it enough times from people and I went, you think, that's a, you think your opinion about whether or not you can create it is, is a good decision criteria for whether or not to try creating it? It's a terrible criteria because we're terrible at predicting the future especially when it comes to creation, because the future hasn't been created yet. So how the hell would we know what can or can't be created? So this goes back to something that I think was in your, in the CTI book, which was the three things that get in the way of our creating anything, which was too much thinking, having a personal agenda or uh, needing to prove something. Yeah, which, which, and, and, and really the all three are, I thought, I, I, I didn't quite remember when you said it. I thought, oh God, she's going to ask me what the three things are. But, but, <laughs> you know, you could say too much thinking, too much thinking, and too much thinking. Yeah. But you could equally say, making it about you, making it about you, making it about you. Like when we make creation about us, we now have to reckon with our psychology. We now have to reckon with our thinking. We now have to take us into it. Well, I'm not the kind of person who. <clears throat> and that's a lot of what makes things look impossible is we make up that we know how it would happen. We know what it would take 
for it to happen. And we know we're not somebody who would do what it would take. So we're convinced, right? We have evidence. I know I'm not that kind of person, but we don't even know if it's relevant to be that kind of person, let alone if in the moment we might actually find another gear that we're, we, we don't even know that we've got, which is often what happens. When people get in over their heads, they start to discover that they've got a lot more resources than they thought they did. And it's just most people are so don't even want to get in the river unless they know how it's going to turn out. Well, you can't, nothing gets created that way. Like so it's if, like, you, if, if you know how it's going to turn out, there's no creation needed. So it's as though there's a spark lit and you can see it in somebody's eyes and then the thinking just pours water on it. Yeah, like my, the, my first book came out of a conversation in the back of a cab in Chicago around New Year's in 2005 with a cab driver named Adolf from Ghana. That was a mouthful. And, well done. And, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and, and he and I just, we got into this conversation. He was, I, I'd been in, in, um, at performing at a comedy festival and, and was going home at the end of the night. And it had kind of a crappy night. Like, you know, with, 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 with the kind of work that I do now where I'm talking to groups, if, if they don't laugh, it's because, well, it's very profound. But when you're doing comedy, if they don't laugh, it's because you're not funny. It's like there's just nowhere to go with it. So I was kind of low. And, 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 and this guy's driving, and it starts to snow. And I'd been in L.A. too long, and I was, like, so excited that it was snowing. And I, I said, oh, my God, snow. And he slams on the brakes and glares at me. And I'm like, oh, crap. What? And he just starts pouring out his life story. And he's from Ghana and he came over to raise extra money to help put his family through school, his younger brothers and sisters. But that was 10 years ago. And, and, and it went on and on and on. And, and it, it got into one of those conversations where he just pulled the cab over and we just chatted like for a couple hours. Was the meter and, running? No, he did turn the meter off. That was, <laughs> uh, as a, at that point I was still a mostly or a soon to be out of work actor. So it was, it was necessary, but but I asked him, as I was in the habit of at that time, what his dream was. And he said, he did this. And, and, and I don't know if, if people are going to be seeing this, but he got a faraway look in his eyes and a big smile on his face. And then his face got really serious and straight. And he went, I don't have a dream. And I was just like, well, bullshit. I just saw it. I don't know what it was, but I just saw you looking at it. And, and finally, he was like, well, uh, I, you know, my dream is to, to learn to build houses the way you build them over here so I can go back to my village and build better houses for my village. I'm like, that is super cool, right? But it's impossible. And, and so it's that, it's that squashing of the dream that, that, that happened so quickly, he didn't even notice himself do it. I just happened to be looking that makes us think we don't have dreams, that we don't have things we want to create because we've gotten so good at squashing them so we don't have to be disappointed that we don't create them. And it, it's a very easy one to undo. Like if you start to see that your dreams can't hurt you, it, you start to discover, oh, I, I actually do have some things that I'd love to see come into being. 
there are some things. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if I can, but it would be amazing if I could. And that, to me, is where people are at their absolute best. When they're in over their heads in pursuit of something that they would absolutely love to see come into being. Well, you said somewhere, probably in the same book, that um, we are already designed for success in any creative endeavor. So mm. speak to that a bit. Well, it's just the way the mind works. When we aim it in a direction, we start getting fresh thinking about that thing. So if, you know, if I think about uh, a birthday party that I might be planning for somebody, I don't know what, what, what should we do for your birthday? I don't know. And then, and then, and oh, we could do this kind of theme. Oh, themes. Oh, and then you start getting ideas about themes and then you, you go, oh, SpongeBob Square, perfect, SpongeBob SquarePants. I have a squirrel up. Like, and the ideas start flying in. And that's true for everyone. It, it, it's like, I don't know if you ever did the thing where you, um, uh, siphoning, where you would suck on a, we used to do it with fish tanks, like to, <laughs> to clean a fish, not because we wanted to get high on dirty fish. Water. No, we you, like to clean the fish tank, you'd stick the thing and suck enough to get a suction going and then it would, it would empty out the, the water. I always thought it was kind of like magical, it's physics, but it, um, well, it's that same thing. Once we get a flow going, it keeps coming and will keep coming and coming and coming for as long as we allow it. Now, if we don't know that, we, we, we stop at, I don't know. But if we know that, I don't know is a starting point, not a stopping point. It's like, I don't know, let's find out. And then the ideas will start coming. I was, I was with somebody um, the other day with a client and they had an idea for a TV show. And at first it was, it was again, they, ah, there's no point. I'm, you know, I don't know anyone in the industry and blah, blah, blah. And then we started talking about it. And all of a sudden ideas started coming. And all of a sudden it came out one of the big obstacles that he thought there was, which turned out to not be an obstacle at all because he was just wrong about how much it would cost to do what he wanted to do. And, you know, we literally made a couple of calls there and then, and boom, 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 boom. I remember sitting with another client, a screenwriter, very successful screenwriter. And, you know, we were just talking about the nature of creativity and how it starts with nothing, but then you kind of start playing with it, mucking about. And then again, this, it's just the way we're made. Once you start the siphon going, the creative ideas, the creative flow begins. And before the end of the session, he'd bought the rights to a book and his next screenplay was in development. And it, it, it can happen remarkably quickly unless you think I don't know is meaningful. And it's like, those are the two things. People think I don't know is meaningful and they think impossible is meaningful. And that's why a lot of things don't get created. So you're actually, I, the way I'm hearing this is this is the way to fall in love with your possibilities. Well, yeah. And, and it's, it's, you're actually already in love with them, but you've convinced yourself you're not because it feels safer because we think our possibilities, our dreams can hurt us. And what we mean is we can feel really bad if we think we failed. We can feel really bad if we think, gosh, my life would be so much better if, whatever it is I wanted to create happened. So again, when it becomes about us, 
we get caught up in this whole game that's really about managing our own feelings and has zero to do with creativity. Like you may have noticed creative artists are not traditionally the happiest people in our society, but it has nothing to do with their ability to create. Misery does not make you more able to create any more than joy. It's just if, if you're miserable and you create, you kind of know that you can be miserable and create because <laughs> you've been doing it. So it's not an obstacle. It doesn't feel like you've got to get happy before you can start creating, right? It's not about you. This is where a question that comes in that I really like, which is what wants to happen next? What wants to show up? Because it takes me out of the process. It, it, yeah. I'm the spice instead of the, the meat. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, you know, we can say, let's create a baby, and we're kind of designed to do that. But if we say, hey, let's create a male baby with this color hair and these genetic traits, like, we don't that's too far down the line. Like, let's just, ooh, let's start. Let's have a little kiss. Yeah. Shall and, we? And that's, that's how it begins with a little kiss. Right? And sometimes you kiss it and you go, ooh, that really was a frog. <laughs> right? But sometimes that first kiss leads somewhere. And it is a love affair. Like creativity is a love affair. And the creation is the baby of that love affair between you and the creative force, between you and spirit, between you and, 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 and God, between you and the universe. Like whatever, however you want to think about that creative potential. It is the love affair between the formless and the form, the not yet created and the creator. And it does feel to me, and a lot of people who are highly creative describe it this way, as if it happens through me, as opposed to from me. Like, I am a vehicle for this, not, I am the creator, you know? And yeah, you are both. Because without you, it probably wouldn't happen. But, you know, without the idea, it wouldn't happen either. True. Before we open this up to people on the call, I, I'd love for you to chat a little bit about the difference between bending time versus time management. Whoa. So one of the reasons that comes up a lot as to why I can't is not enough time, right? Well, I just don't have time to do that without knowing that it's going to work. I, I've got a job. I've got this. I've got a family. I've got whatever it is that I've got. And so it looks like the solution to that is to get better at managing your time. So like, I, I can't remember uh, too many specific stories, but a lot of, a lot of first time writers got up at five in the morning and would write for a couple hours before they go off to work, you know? And so you, you hear those stories and you go, Oh, okay. Time is an obstacle, but you know, if I'm, willing to manage my time better, I can find the time. But time is naturally bendy. You know, Einstein in the, in the introduction to his theory of relativity, preceded it by saying, you know, when you're sitting with um, 
with somebody that you really like on a um, on a on a bench and holding hands and and you, you know an hour feels like it passes in a minute. But if you've got your hand on a hot stove, a, 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 a minute feels like it takes an hour. Right? We already know that. Time is already bendy. So there are, we assume that all 60 minutes have, are the same. And yet we all have experiences where we produce an extraordinary amount in 60 minutes. And other times where we spent 60 minutes staring at a blank page or a blank canvas or a whatever it is, and, and literally nothing happened. So it's not about more time. It's about more juice to the squeeze, right? It, it, to shift metaphors midstream. But, but, but if I can get more juice from every squeeze, then I don't need as many oranges, if I can get more uh, freedom, more insight, more creative flow, more done in the time that I've got, I don't need as much time. And, and so it's just when you, you have a different understanding of time, it's easier to navigate. It, it, it's, um, it's yet another not real reason for not pursuing your dreams and for not being creative. There's a lot of that going on. A lot of reasons why not. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's, and, and the problem is we think some of them have merit. <laughs> it's like, look, if you don't want to do something, one reason is as good as another, but if you really want to do something, there is no reason not to do it. So if I was really, um, a disbeliever, which I'm not really anymore, but. Um, well, hang on, a disbeliever in what? In what you're saying is that it's, because you make it sound so easy, just, just show up and respond to what shows up. It's something you're fond of saying. Yeah. So if I have convinced myself that I can't, yeah. I can't do da da da, that's impossible. Yeah. What would you say to me? Well, what I often, and I was doing this with clients 30 years ago, like before I had any philosophical framework or understanding of why, but somebody would say, oh, I just can't write this email. I just can't, well, they wouldn't have said email 30 years ago, but you know, I just can't write this letter. I just can't do this report. I just can't. I, I would say, okay, um, I'm going to hang up the phone now and um, call me back when you've done it. And every freaking time they called me back and it was done. It's just sometimes our thinking looks really real to us. That's all. It never is. It doesn't mean that it was brilliant when they next brought it back. It was usually a first draft because that's the other thing about creativity is it, it, is, it is iterative. It, it, it very rarely is the first articulation of something, the first expression of it, the one that you wind up with. Yeah. But that first one leads to the next one. And that next one leads to the next one. And it just goes on and on and on. And, and, and it gets, so, you know, I, I sometimes make the distinction. I don't know if it's easy, but it is simple. Like it is really straightforward. It's just how it works. Sorry, Michael. I'm trying to mute. And 
good. Okay. You still with me? I'm still with you. Okay. Sorry about that. That's all right. All right. Um, I remember reading in uh, Michael Ray's book, The Highest, Go uh, Highest Goal, that uh, creativity is idiosyncratic, which means it's, it's, you know, it's individual, it's personal, it's peculiar to, to individuals. So what you're, you're describing is a process that even though it's idiosyncratic, it's still based on the same principles. Right. So the form it takes is idiosyncratic. How you go about it is idiosyncratic. How it's going to come out of you is idiosyncratic. But how it works is, is, is physics. It's divine physics. It's creative physics. But it, it, it is 100% predictable. You know, that's, that's why I can map it out. In, in the book. It's like, yeah, it always happens this way. It's just what it looks like can be completely different from person to person. And with some people, it's accompanied by a lot of angst and tearing out of the hair and banging heads against walls. And with other people, it's, it's almost boring watching them create. And with other people, it's exciting. And it's, that's the idiosyncrasy. But the process is the same. The principles behind it are the same. So anybody can do it. Literally. And, and, and everybody is doing it. We're all creating our own imaginary worlds and living in them, right? It's called thinking. It's just that when we talk about creating, we're saying, what happens when you go beyond thinking and start getting it out of your head and into the world? Yes. Okay, folks, we are going to open it up to you. So if you have a question or a comment, please raise your little blue digital hand and we will call on you. I love the idea that somebody might actually have a little blue digital hand. In I know, I think I'll draw one someday. Okay, uh, Lorna. Hey, Michael, how are you? I'm well, nice to see you. Yeah, you too. Um, so I wanted, if you could help um, me understand a little bit um, about the difference between sort of good, uncomfortable and a sign from wisdom that this is not going in the right direction. Seems very blurry sometimes to me to see that distinction. Well, I'm not sure that discomfort is is the relevant um cue for whether or not you want to do something like I'm, i don't think the universe particularly gives us signs that you know thou shalt not create this um sometimes stuff is is hard it doesn't seem to flow it it feels like you know pushing a boulder uphill and you know, you get to decide whether it's worth it to you to keep doing that. Usually that's about your approach, not possibility. That just means you're going about it the hard way. I can't tell you what the easy way is, but it's pretty obvious when you're going about it the hard way because it's hard. Yeah. yeah. Right. So what I've learned to do in those cases is, is, is kind of step back and take, and, and, and take a fresh look. Yeah. 
And sometimes I say, oh, you know, it just doesn't, it's just not time. It's just, I'm not, I'm not in the right space. It's not the right time, whatever. And sometimes I'm like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to keep going anyways. Yeah. So there isn't to me, that's not a, um, a signal that has one meaning. Generally speaking, discomfort means I've got some uncomfortable thinking. Like that's, that, that has nothing to do with how easy or difficult it is to create or whether I should or shouldn't create. There is an inner yes, no, that I follow religiously. Like, and sometimes it's like, yeah, I, I really want to. And sometimes I really want to, even though I really strongly suspect it's going to be a train wreck. Like I've, I've actively participated in train wrecks. Like not really people, but, but you know, things where I just thought, Oh man, this is going to be a disaster. I can't wait. Like I make, I, I, and, and then there are other times where I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be a disaster. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I'll trust my yes, no, but it's not because it's going to be a disaster or because it's uncomfortable that comes and goes. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And I, I think, I guess I, I'm so used to taking my discomfort seriously that I, I make it mean something when it doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm noticing that wisdom is, as you say, uh, predictable, but unreliable, but unpredictable. And sometimes it, you know, I think I was sort of expecting, you know, angels and light. Mm. And sometimes it occurs as a whack over the back of the head with a frying pan. <laughs> and it's not, I think, shit, that's not what I expected. Um, so, so I think, I guess it's just practice to notice that, that it's, yeah, it's doesn't it's, mean anything. I, I mean, I don't know if it's anything as deliberate as practice, just as much as experience. Like, like just you play in the unknown longer and you learn more about the unknown. You get more familiar with it. It seems less foreign or random or scary. And it's just, oh yeah, I just don't know yet. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Next up is Martin. Hey, Martin. Ooh, Ooh. I'm going to take advantage of that sound cue to let the dog in. <laughs> I didn't know your dog knows how to ring the bell. to be having some technical difficulties with Martin. It sounds like dial-up. Remember, remember dial-up, please? <laughs> it sounds like he's washing dishes. <laughs> Martin, I'm going to put your hand down and raise it again, and let's try in a minute. Okay, Martin, and let's go to Sue Kearney. Where'd she go? Hi, Sue. I'm here. I unmuted myself. Hello. Hey, Sue. <laughs> Hi, Michael. Hi, Nina. Um, so <laughs> there's a little banshee running around in my head right now. The thing you just said about uh, first, the first iteration is not the one that really hits it. I'm I am creating <laughs> creating videos of my hands at work making art to, for an e-course that I'm creating. Nina and I are in the same class about this, and and I am. I am trying madly to resist the impulse of I could get the lighting on that better, or I could frame that better, and I could redo that one, and I can redo that one, and I'm, and I'm trying to like lower the bar 
and let the first iteration go be in the world if it's all there and 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 i guess find a uh, that i can have a different standard for materials i'm creating for an e-course that i do for the actual art that i create or i don't know what but i'm just like i got really <laughs> really frightened when i heard you say that it's like oh my god i'm in that trap of wanting to do and redo and redo and get it perfect and I don't think that's going to help me get this done in 90 days or 90 years. Well, and I think the thing is, and, and this is where we get ourselves into maybe a little bit of trouble by trying to make a rule of things. So if we're, if like, it sounds like you can tell you're, you're trying too hard. Yeah. And it's getting in the way. So you kind of intuitively know you're going to have to back off that. There are other times where that, willingness to do it 16 times, 20 times. Um, like my, my first book, uh, 16 drafts, right? People will say, I already rewrote it once. And I'm like, wow. Like, you know, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that all my books have, have gone through that many iterations. Um, Bruce Springsteen, there was a, a really cool documentary series about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Um, you know, who wound up creating beats and, and um, you know, from different sides of the music business. And Jimmy Iovine's first gig was working on Born to Run, the Bruce Springsteen album. And he said they spent six months getting the drum track for Born to Run right. Oh, I love that. So it's not automatic. Nah, just fuck it. But you got to know when to. You know, there, there's a point at which you, you've got to let it go and see what it does. And, 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 and it's different from project to project. I have much lower standards for some things than others. Yeah, and I'm going to play with that for course materials. I think I might just yeah. be a little more gentle with my graphic yeah. designer eye for perfection shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it's fun. Like, you know, some, sometimes you're really particular and sometimes you're not. It's not, I'm a perfectionist. I must always, or I, I'm just casual. I, no, you can, you can respond as seems appropriate to whatever project you're working on. Yeah. And, and acknowledge it and play with it. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see you here. Cool. Thanks, thanks. for this. Thanks, Sue. Okay, we are going to Martin again. Hey, Martin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Martin, so sorry. Okay, well, Martin, while we wait for a miracle to happen, let's go to Sandy Tomlin. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Nina. I think this is great. This is the first one of your your uh, sessions I've attended and I was thrilled to have seen it because I'm so delighted with the art that you've created. Thank you. And I, I have a question for you more than Michael. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> but you might, you might have something to chime in on. <laughs> um, Nina, the, the project that you released uh, a video of with the wonderful antique furniture and the memorabilia. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about 
what the creating of that was like for you, it, the origin story maybe. I can tell you a little bit about it. Uh, I was taking Michael's Emerging Voices program and he gave us an assignment one month to create something that would take 30 days to do. And so some of that 30 days was, I wonder what I'm going to do. And at one point, I was reading uh, some poetry by Mary Oliver, who I love. And uh, I thought, gee, a lot of what she's saying, I really can relate to it. I've had experience similar to that being out in nature and, and being affected by nature. And it just occurred, it was just, just as Michael is saying, it, it just occurred to me, what would it, wouldn't it be cool if I collected all the things that had meaning to me throughout my life and assembled them in a visual form? And that's, and that's really the, where, what happened with the idea. And then the rest of it just seemed to unfold by itself. Like, oh, this would be cool, or oh, that would be cool. And because I play around with art, I have stashes of stuff and collections of stuff, whereas people who are probably a little better at decluttering wouldn't have it. But it just, it came together. And I kept being in that mode of what wants to show up, what wants to be here. And it seemed to just make itself. I was just, I was the hands. The idea was coming through and I was the hands. And then I had a really good videographer who made it really better. <laughs> but if it wasn't for Michael, it would never have been created. Well, Michael, what was your involvement with Nina during that process? That, that just is kind of fascinating. Were you mentoring, coaching? Were you in the background? No, I think I, I, I might have held the vomit bucket for her when she thought about <laughs> releasing the video. But other than that, that was all her. Um, and that's the thing. It's like, again, we don't, don't, we get confused and we think that our reaction is meaningful. Like, it's like, it's just, most of us are really used to paying attention to ourselves. And so we, we don't see it as a piece of art. We see it as us and our self-worth and our value in the world. And so we don't want to let anyone judge our value in the world. So we don't want to release it into the world, but it's not your value in the world. It's a fucking memory palace box thing. I don't know what technically meaning you call that, but it was, it was super cool. But, but it's, 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 it's like, but you know, so it's not, um, Oh my God, I'm putting myself on the line. It feels like it sometimes but I'm just creating something and seeing how it, how it goes. Um, like I've, I've got a piece uh, that I created on Wednesday. So we filmed a bunch of whole new way of thinking about and, and I did one on ending racism. Heart and mouth wanted to throw up throughout the entire thing. Um, did have a stiff drink when we finished filming. Right may or may not go out. Right now, it's going out to a few people to see what kind of a reaction it gets. But that's not about me. That's about, I don't want to be inadvertently massively offensive to people. <laughs> so I, I, me too. Like, like, like there are things that I create that I, 
I put out and there are things I create that feel, well, no, I mean this one, you know, because what will people think and, and all that. I just would never let it stop me from creating it. I might let it stop me from putting it out, but I would not let it stop it from being created. There's, there's just one other thing I, I want to add before we go to some other people here, which is that um, a couple people have heard me say this, but I read a quote that is supposedly from uh, Van Gogh to his brother, and he's describing a scene from his window. And he's, he's writing in his cheap paper and his pencil, and he's describing the scene outside his window. And he says at one point, he, he says, it's so beautiful, I must show you how it looks. And then he draws a, a picture right on this cheap writing paper that he has. And that phrase, it's so beautiful, I must show you how it looks, that just so resonated with me because it took, when I would look at that, that uh, cabinet of curiosities and think, well, who would care about a Beatles concert or, you know, someplace I'd been to? It wasn't about that at all. It wasn't about me at all. It was just pointing to, to beauty. So somehow I got out of the way and let that happen. Thanks for asking. Uh, let's try Martin again. He's a diehard at this. We're going to get you going, Martin. Oh. Yeah, not today. <laughs> not, I guess not. Sorry, Martin. <laughs> okay, let's go to, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Katrine. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an Estonian version of Catherine, so that's cool. But first of all, I just want to know, like, where can we see this cabinet of curiosities? Can you post a link somewhere? Like, in, I don't know, where is it up? Where I want to see it. <laughs> uh, I'll send it to you. I don't have it up anywhere at the moment, but thanks for asking, and I will get it to you. Yeah, I really love to see it. But, um, what um, kind of hit me with this discussion was, like, it really just sort of hit me how much like our worst like what I guess at least for me it's it's like oh shit like I'm, I'm actually the most afraid of like my own thoughts like my own criticism about it like it's not the other people's reactions I mean yeah other people can say shitty things but that's in realistically never actually really bothered me that much but it's like oh my own thoughts like oh I'm actually worse like most afraid of like myself beating up on myself with my thoughts like oh, how silly is that like this it's pretty absurd, but it, that's so true. Because like during this um, during this lockdown in the springtime, I just kind of like you know just out of the the unusual situation, I just ended up creating doing an online course just because like some of my clients were bored and they wanted an online course. I was like, oh cool, like okay, I have nothing, you know, I just just threw something together, literally like homemade, like no graphic design, no website, nothing, just like Zoom calls and just some really homemade materials that I literally drew up like. And, and artwork and stuff and it was super cool because it was just like okay just do it like it doesn't matter how shitty it is and it was actually really fun and then I did some uh, videos little just you know Facebook live little videos and it's so funny other people were commenting oh that was a fun video I really enjoyed it it really touched me and I myself I couldn't bring myself to even watch it 
it was like the little five minute video. I'm like, ew, cringe, ew, I'm there, I'm saying this. It was so funny. It's just really noticing that other people were like, there's no, you know, no negative feedback. People were like, oh, thank you. Thanks for sharing this. This was lovely. And I was like, I can't watch it myself. <laughs> it is like our own mind. Like the thinking is like, oh, we can make, make that our worst enemy. So and, 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 you know, I always kind of say to people, look, you don't, you don't even have to get over that. You just have to not let it stop you, right? It's nicer if you have less of it. It's a more pleasant experience, but it, it, it has nothing to do with whether or not you create unless you let it. It, ha- it does not have power over your hands. It does not have like, like, it's like, yeah, we, we can scare the shit out of ourselves and often do, especially around creating. Um, but either you just get used to carrying on and creating even when you're scared shitless or you get better at not scaring yourself, but either way create, you know, I think was it Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, do the thing you fear and the death of fear is certain. It's like, actually, I don't even know if the death of fear is certain, but if you do the thing you fear, then, then you've done it. <laughs> like that's certain. Yeah. 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 So true. And it was, it was, it was part of me, it was already, you know, since, you know, I'm in, in this 3P world a little bit too, so part of me was already noticing that, and I even commented on my own video without watching it again, I was like, oh yeah, I had to like get over myself, and I, you know, something larger was getting over that little me that's like, oh, this is horrible, oh my god, I can't believe you look like this, eh. <laughs> it's like this, like almost like a, you know, a thing, like a persona or something, it wasn't really me, you know, it was this made up thing. It's amazing what we can do if we don't stop ourselves. I've noticed that. (laughs) Thank you. Let's go to Karina. Hi there. Hi. Hi, Michael. I love this conversation. Thank you, Nina. Um, What I love in particular is when you said that creativity is like a love affair between us and the universe. And it just made me think, yeah, like the, the project is just like being birthed. Um, like it goes through a gestation period and then out it comes. But it's, it has something to do with me, but also not so much to do with me. And I think that's where I've really held back from being creative in the end um, because of making it too personal. So that really hit me today about, you know, when it's about me, that's when it all goes pear-shaped um, and where the discouragement really kicks in and I take it seriously. Um, so yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you could add to, to that. But well, just, just, it sounds like you're onto something. Like, like go with that because, you, you know, I, I say in creating the impossible that it's, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's not up to you, but it's not, not up to you. Like we don't, we, uh, you know, women don't, uh, create babies, but without them, the baby's not coming. Right. So when we create art, it, it, it's what we're doing is we are making ourselves available to that art to be created. Whether that art is in the form of a program or a literal, uh, painting or, or, or a, a song or a business or whatever it is, we, we, without us making ourselves available, without us saying yes, not going to happen. 
But that's the extent to which it's about us. Um, and then I just, I, I like, once people are creating, I, I like to show them that it doesn't have to be as painful as they make it. But initially, they just need to be creating. Like that first. You, you can make it pleasant later. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let's go to Joanna. Hello, Joanna. Hi, Nina. Hi, everybody. Hi, my little sister. Hi, Michael. Hello. So I had to laugh at myself as I'm listening to this conversation. Um, a lot of my creativity right now is at work in putting in time to build presentations for management. But I think I'm becoming more aware of myself through these creativity conversations and how I look at things because I literally said to one of my dearest colleagues this week, Oh, I'm so mad at you for giving me such great feedback, such great input to improve this presentation. Why couldn't I have thought of everything myself? <laughs> and we just laughed about it because we do that for each other. We, we give each other, we open ourselves up to ask for feedback from the other person because sometimes we're looking at the forest or we're looking at the trees for the forest. Mm. And, um, it's being accepting of it being something bigger than myself and not attaching my ego to not getting input from other people because then it defeats the ultimate person, which the ultimate um, goal, which is to have the message be presented in such a way that we can connect with other people and solve problems. So I was just thinking about some of these concepts in, in terms of work, but also in terms of, my own recognition of myself getting in the way. If I don't open myself up to ask, if I think that I have to get it all right, it's all got to come from me, then I'm really missing out. So just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you. So I was talking to Jason Shears earlier this morning and he had a question for you. I don't know if he's going to ask it or not. I'm going to give him a, a fair chance. And if he does, I'm here. I'm uh, here. I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was sleepy, so I wasn't sure what I was going to ask. <laughs> Hi, Michael. Hey, Jason. Nice to see you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really about, um, about you know, you were, it's when you were just saying then about it, it can get I can't remember the word you use, but like it can get pretty later. You know, it's kind of like that. You know, I've been doing this for a little while, and you know, and I have so many ideas, and you know, it's kind of like I'm literally sort of doing ten things at once quite often. Um, you know, I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's good. Or, you know, saying yes to everything that life seems to bring. You know, put in front of me, like in in the form of creativity, creating new. Um, projects, you know, writing articles, doing things that all feel good. You know, every one of them feels inspiring and exciting. And I literally get up with so many different things to do and so many ideas that, now I, I don't know if it's just simply the fact that, I mean, this was an insight I have myself, but simply the fact that there's nowhere really to get to, you know, but like, it just seems like there's too much to do and not enough time, you know? Well, I, I, 
There's a story I, I heard years ago about Mark Twain's working style. And I don't know if it's true, but, I, but it struck me that he would usually have 10 to 15 different writing projects on the go at any given time. And he would kind of leave them around his home. And so as he was wandering around his home, if one of them caught his eye, he'd sit down with it and do a bit of work on it. And, and you know, so some days he would touch a bunch of them. Some days he would just work on one. But, but what I liked about it as a, as a notion, what fit with my understanding is there's not a right way to do it. Like some people would say, oh, no, you have to take one thing and work it until it's perfect. Other people, there, there isn't one way to, to create. You start to get a feel for what works for you and your capacity to sit with the unknown grows. So I was having a chat with a friend yesterday, and uh, my, um, my daughter is, is, uh, runs my Instagram. And so she's been telling me what she needs from me to do it. And she said, okay, dad, what I need is I need every week, I need a podcast, I need a morning ramble, I need a picture quote, I need a blog post, and I need um, Might Help Can't Hurt. And then if you've got any personal stuff, you can just do that whenever. Now, funnily enough, that didn't sound remotely daunting to me. Because podcasts, I know that if I sit down once every couple months, I can do a bunch of them all at once because they kind of flow for me from that. Morning rambles, I mean, God, I have so many freaking ideas like you, Jason. It just means that once a week I need to record one of them. Um, I've been writing uh, to a regular schedule for 20 years in terms of, of blogging. So the idea of sitting down once a week and writing a post doesn't strike me as, I don't know what it'll be and I don't think they're all gonna be great, but easy enough to do. Um, I love the might help can't hurt conversation. So that's just fun to get to have a reason to do one of those every week. And so it's like, I get people are gonna look at that and go, oh my God, he's so creative. But honestly, it's, it's just one little thing. It, it, it doesn't feel that way to me. It doesn't feel like, oh, okay, I can do this, but it's going to be exhausting. It's like, no, I've got so many ideas that it's nice to have an outlet. Like my first website was not created because I wanted a marketing tool. It was created because I wanted somewhere to put all my cool stuff. Like I literally, that's how I would talk about it. I, I, I said to the web designer, build me a sandbox that I can just play inside of. Cause I didn't know what I wanted it to be, but I knew that I wanted a place to play. And, and so for me, that is part of how I look at creative expression is give yourself outlets, give yourself places to play. And, and then you get to play. Um, but, but I think for a lot of people, they try and make it practical. You know, they try and go, well, what will this do for me? You know, what will this do for me financially? What will this do for me in terms of my reputation? What will do this for, for me in terms of my business? What will this do for me? Well, we're screwed before we start if it's for you. I think that's the insight, you know, about like um, that 
yeah, there's loads of things happening, and I don't know where they're going or what they're going to turn into, but it's kind of like my, <laughs> I've talked about this before, but my form of measurement, you know, my measuring stick is, is, is how many zeros, you know, like how do the numbers change in the bank account, you know, it's like, and if there's no change, then everything that I'm doing is completely futile, and, and it's like, and there's no value in it whatsoever. And when the numbers do change, then what I'm creating in the world will be of value. But the, the insight is that, I mean, I don't know what's really happening anyway. I'm just turning up and doing what kind of feels good in the process. And who knows, you know, what, what, who's seeing it? Who knows where it's going? Who knows what it's turning into or what's going to come as a result of it, you know, I guess. Yeah. And, 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 and just seeing the truth of that makes it harder to take your thinking about the zeros seriously. Mm. Yeah. that thing about about just being nowhere to get to you know like because that's the that's the story, that's the bit that i can get caught up in that there's that everything that i create has to be heading to somewhere you know like to, to being something or, or to turning into what i think it should be you know and, and like that and, and yeah i mean things have got a, a general direction you know, like as if like I'm, I'm sort of, I've got an idea with something that I'm doing that it will turn into something, you know, but it's like, well, I don't know if that's, you know, it's like I, I can quite easily make that about me, you know, that part that like, oh, if I get this, then it will mean that or if yeah. it happens and that, you know, like you was just saying before about when it becomes about me, you know, it's kind of like the reality is, is that, you know, I'm quite enjoying what I'm doing and that's good enough, really. Yeah. Do, do, Nina, do you remember the three dragons, Michelle Cassou's three dragons of creativity? <laughs> no, but you made me think of the three dragons of Game of Thrones, and I don't oh, think no, that's... No, no, no. Well, so what, one of them is the... She talks about the three dragons of creativity. That She's a French painter, and the, the, these are the three things that um, stop people from creating. And one of them is the one Jason's describing, the dragon of product. Mm. Where we're we're thinking about the productizing, the monetizing, the somethingizing of something before we create it, and it it just gets in the way because it's it you know so you have to get past that dragon. One of them I think is the dragon of meaning, right? We make it all mean something about us or about you know our worth or value or you know. And again, that's that's a really easy, scary looking dragon. Um, but it's not real. It's just something that we have gotten in the habit of scaring ourselves with or distracting ourselves with. I can't remember what the third dragon is right now. There, I don't remember either. Apparently there were three. <laughs> Does it not feel though like, like we would, I don't, know, I don't know how to word this. I'm going to say it how stupidly it sounds to me. You know, it's kind of like like we're supposed to be going somewhere or, or, or heading somewhere with creativity because it's like rather than, I know I've heard you say creating for creativity's sake, you know, but kind of like, but for me, the things that I'm creating or that I'm interested in doing is kind of like 
seems like that they're something about money and that they're, you know, well, about being changing the world and helping people and all those type of things, you know, right? That there's some reason for them all. Well, I, I think there, there are some, I, I don't think it's an all or nothing question. Like mm. sometimes the cue to create is something as simple as like when Nina was saying, like she created that piece of art because I told her to create something and she went, okay. Like, like that was the context. If I hadn't said that, she probably wouldn't have created it. So yeah, the cue for our creation might be something practical. But if we let that get into the, get caught up in the creative process, it tends to stifle the creative process because we're comparing something as it's being created to the purpose that it's ultimately being created to serve. So it's a timing issue. Like at some point, if you are creating for profit, you do have to look at that, but you don't want to be looking at that while you're creating because then you're not available. You're, 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 you're saying, I only want the creative force to flow through me in this channel. Right. Well, I'm not going to get as much creative flow as if you're going, all right, bring it on. And then I'll look at the best of what I create and put it out in the world and see what takes. There's a wonderful, one of my all time favorite um, talks on creativity is Neil Gaiman. Um, and, and he, he talks about do what's the talk called? Something like do good, do good things or do good, do more things or do more good. It's a, it's a, it's a graduation speech in art college. You can find it online. And, and he basically just says, yeah, if you want to create more good stuff, create more stuff. Some of it'll probably be good. Like, you know, people, the thing is if creating doesn't look like a big deal to you, if you don't have to gird your loins and gear yourself up and exhaust yourself to create, it's easier to create 10 things, one of which might wind up being good than it is trying to create one good thing. Mm. Like my, des my graphic designer, I love working with him because I I've worked with so many graphic designers who want to give me one perfect design and I don't freaking know. But this guy, it's just no big deal to him to give me 10, 10 things. And then I pick three and then he'll do something with those. And then I'll pick, like, like if creating doesn't feel overwhelming to you, it really is much easier to create first and ask questions later. Is that good, Jason? Yeah, yeah, I could keep going, but I mean, it's, I'm, I know I've run over time, but yeah, thank you. I've, I've, um, it's given me a lot to reflect on. Thanks, Michael. Cool. Nice to see you. And you. Well, we have come up to the edge of our sandbox for today. Michael, would you like to tell everybody where of the many places they can find you? Well, the, 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 michaelneal.org is the current home of the sandbox. So pretty much everything that, that I create winds up at least touching that site. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, can, I, can I do a little plug for, yeah, we got, uh, we got a program coming up starting in September called Do More Cool Stuff, um, which is about sort of this creative process, not in terms of a project, we do the creating the impossible thing every year as a specific project, 
but do more cool stuff is going to be a 12 week online program just exploring. Well, what is it to just create stuff? Like for no reason, just to get, do more cool stuff, get it out into the world. And, 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 and so I'm, I'm looking forward to playing with that over, over 12 weeks. And tell us a little bit more about might hurt. No, I never get that right. Might help can't hurt. <laughs> can't help. It's a funeral show. <laughs> um, no, it's, so I, I, I was thinking about when COVID hit and, and I had more time, <laughs> like I started reaching out to people that I hadn't talked to for years sometimes. And the, for one of the first people I reached out to was an old apprentice of mine, Jamie Smart. He's a best-selling author in the UK. And, and, uh, and it just occurred to me, and I just thought, oh, I bet this is going to wind up being a cool conversation, and I bet people will, would love to listen to it. And I said to him, hey, do you mind if we have this conversation in, on Facebook? And he was like, no. And it, it was fun, and people seemed to like it. And so I realized, man, there's a lot of people that I haven't talked to for a long time that I bet people would like to listen to me talk to. So that, you know, we've had, uh, you know, authors like Robert Holden and Paul McKenna and Anita Morjani. We've had, uh, today I had my brother on who is a data scientist. Um, he created the Google Genome Project and we were talking about like navigating data and, and things like that. I had the director of global health in the UK who, who basically was amazing and came out and said, yeah, we don't know what we're doing, but we're trying. Like, like it, it's, I, I, I love it as a, again, I love it as a frame because all I'm saying is well, it might help, can't hurt, right? I'm not trying to educate the world about anything in particular, but when you talk to interesting people about interesting things, A, it's pretty interesting and B, might help, can't hurt. <laughs> and how often can we see those? Um, uh, constantly. Um, so they're on, we have them on YouTube. Uh, the, the, the older ones we have, uh, we release them as podcasts. So you can find it just on iTunes as a, okay. as a podcast. Um, and uh, when we do a live one, we announce it the day before on the Facebook page. And we do one or two a week. And which Facebook page? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash mneil. M-N-E-I-L-L. That address again, <laughs> Facebook.com forward slash mneil. <laughs> Thank you. As always, it's a delight and a pleasure. Thank you, Nina.